Good morning. Welcome to Hope Church. We're glad you guys are here today on Easter Sunday. We're praying for you guys. We hope this is the Sunday. This will be one of the best Sundays of your life and maybe even the best Sunday for sure of your year. We are glad you're here today. Man, you guys look great. You look amazing. I see some of you guys, you bring your A game for Easter. I appreciate that. You look good every Sunday, but it's good to see you today. Why don't you find the person to your left or right that you know well and say, hey, you look good today. You look good today. Tell your second option. The person on the other side said, you tried. You tried. You tried. <clears throat> well, man, we're glad you're here today. Um, if you're new to this environment, to this experience, uh, we're, uh, this is only, this, is, this church, Hope Church, this is only our second ever Easter. It's our second ever Easter. And so we're really, really glad that you are here today. You chose to be with us. You're here on a good time. And we hope that you'll spend the rest of your Sundays here with us. I woke up this morning about 6.05 to text from some, of my, some of my friends. Hey, we're praying for your, for your church. My buddy Brad, he, he pastors a church over in Melbourne. We're praying for you. I got a friend of ours from Cape Cod, and he said, hey, man, we're praying for your Sunday. Um, a few weeks ago, we took up a, a special offering, and, and we sent to our friends in Detroit just yesterday. Some of our friends, um, our Hope Church in Detroit, they had a great Easter service there. Um, there they did a big Easter egg um, hunt where they dropped eggs out of a helicopter, and I'm a little bit jealous about that. And um, so we're working on the helicopter for next year already. And uh, anyone here that owns a helicopter, let us know. Uh, we like to use it. We like to book it now a year in advance. And um, got a text from them yesterday saying, thank you for your church, for being a part of what we're doing in Detroit. And then this morning already, we have a church that we're partnered with in Nairobi, Kenya. They've already had church. They had an amazing day today. And uh, we're expecting the same thing to happen in here as well for, for our church. I was out. If you came in today, you see signs all across the way. We put signs out every week. And I, was, I, um, I get the privilege of putting those signs out there in, um, on Sunday mornings. And one of those big flag banners, I, 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 was, I took one out and I parked at the gas station because I got a ticket or got pulled over a few weeks ago for impeding traffic. And... Um, Apparently, you can't stop wherever you want, apparently. I didn't know. And uh, so I was impeding traffic, and the guy, boop, boop, you know, and he said, uh, pull over. And I'm like, if, I, have this, I have this, I'm in that truck out there. It says Hope Church all over. I kind of have this thought process. Like, if you want to give a church a ticket, go for it. Like, you're going to be in trouble with God, but you figure that out, you know. And so he pulled me over. I didn't say two words, which typically I start talking immediately when I get in trouble. And I didn't say anyways, and he didn't give me a ticket. But anyways, I pulled the truck up on the gas station and parked it, and Went out there, and this guy honking his horn. I'm like, oh, great. Here, I, I'm getting in trouble again. You know, he's about to tell me he can't put, I can't put my flag there, you know. And um, so I'm, I, I look over, and I'm like, what's up, man? That's how I talk typically. What's up, man? And uh, he rolls the window. He's like, what time does that church start? I said, we start at 1030. So I don't know if he's here today, but if that guy's here today, I'm glad, he's, I'm glad you're here. If you're not, he'll be here next Sunday. I just got faith and believe that he's going to be there. We're going to have a good day today. Um, some of you guys, uh, kids, your kids are came for an Easter egg hunt. Maybe some of you guys, adults, maybe you came for an Easter egg hunt. And nonetheless, we're going to accommodate that for everyone in here today. And we're going to have a great time with our kids. Um, I'd like to speak to you guys today for the next 20 so minutes um, about the name that is the name Jesus. And um, it really blows my mind as I begin to study about the name Jesus that this name has withstood the test of time. There's a lot of names that will come and go. My name is John Wesley Beecham II. And my dad's on the front row. His name is John Wesley Beecham I. And my son is causing havoc in the kid area. And his name is John Wesley Beecham III. And you're like, man, you guys must like your name. And I told my son, I, we've, gotten progressively, we've gotten progressively crazier. My son, he, he's six years old. He's a mess. He better not have John Wesley Beecham IV. That kid will be bad as heck. And, um, 
and uh, just we get worse as we go down. And, um, but uh, we, uh, I have a name today, and that's that's my name, and and uh, my name. I'll one day I'll die, and it'll be put on a on a gravestone, and my name will be long forgotten after time. It just will be. And you have a name today, and one day you'll die, and your and your name will be put on a, on a, on, a, on a tombstone, or and and your name will be long long forgotten. And hopefully, you know, you're probably like me, like, man, I'm going to live a good life. I'm going to live a great life and hopefully make an impact. And I'm going to touch people's lives and do good things and help people out, which is what we're all called to do. I'm going to practice the golden rule. But the reality is that there's a high percentage chance that eventually one day someone's going to forget your name. Hopefully not while you're alive, um, but one day they're going to forget your name. But there's a name that's been talked about for thousands of years that's never, ever been forgotten. And it's the name Jesus. And um, I love that it's with the test time. There's been people that have attacked the name. There's people that have lifted the name up. And nonetheless, whether they have attacked the name of Jesus or they've, or they've lifted the name of Jesus up, no matter what two extremes that you find yourself in here today, the name has withstood the test of time. For our church, we've been talking about the name. There is no other name. We've been using phrases that we've been talking about. There's really no other name that can heal all the problems that you have in your life. There's no name that can do. There's a lot of names that can help you. You may have a doctor that can, maybe can fix your bones, maybe can fix something about you, but there's no name that can fix all that you have wrong. Maybe here today you're, you're challenged. One of my friends said, pray for me. I just have this, I have this anxiety and this thing I'm trying to pray that God will take it from me, and I wish that he would. And there's only one name that can take away all of that. You can go and you can get help, and you, and you can get help, and, but it may not last forever. There's a name that can take that away from you. If you're here today and you're in some sort of situation where you're like, man, I just really can't get out of it. There's no way I can turn whether I go left or right. There's a name that can actually take you and help fix that situation that you're, you're going through. And there's a name, and that name is Jesus. There's no other name like the name Jesus. In the Bible, Jesus had to tell his disciples that there was no other name like the name Jesus. So what I'm telling you today and I'm suggesting today is this isn't the first time this has ever been taught like this before. This isn't the first time this has ever been a conversation before. Throughout the course of history, Jesus had to explain his name. And once he explained to his name, he explained his name to 12 guys. And he explained to them really, really well because he told those guys, I'm going to leave and I'm going to go away. But I want you to keep telling people about my name. And I'm here today, thousands of years later, after the cross that we've talked about, that we've sang about all day. I'm here today because, and I'm, because someone has told me about the name Jesus. And my prayer today, and for the, God's prayer for the church, is that his name will be shouted out for all of eternity. And the Bible teaches, there's a, whether you agree with this or not, it really doesn't matter. But the Bible teaches, we probably all agree there's an eternity. At some point, we're all going to end on earth. The Bible tells us it's appointed for man to die. There's facts aren't always true, but there is one fact that it will remain true. And that one out of one people died. Everyone's going to die. It's just, it's just inevitable. That, that's a fact that is, that is, that is true. And, um, and so what you do with the name Jesus matters. What you say about the name of Jesus, it actually, it matters today. Whatever, you, you have some sort of thought about the name Jesus. And I, for some of you guys today, I want to help lift up that name and I want to solidify and build a stronger foundation on that name. Or maybe this is the first time you've ever heard about the name Jesus. I hope to explain to you in a way that you're like, oh, I get it. That's why people get dressed up on that one Sunday and put those ties on, those things that go around the neck and they tie and they look super uncomfortable. And that's why they wear those. That's why they celebrate Christmas and Easter and these holidays. I get it now. And hopefully today you'll leave your day saying, oh, I get it. John chapter 14, Jesus has to explain his name to his disciples. And I'd like to read it to you today. 
you know it's a, it's, you know it's, it's a lofty goal or a lofty challenge to explain the name of Jesus. These 12 young men, probably high, mid-high school or not high school, they weren't in school the way we do it today, but they were late teens, early college age, 20-somethings, and Jesus explained to himself his name. He's explained to those guys. Now, they've been everywhere with them. They walk with them. They talk with them. But Jesus is trying to reaffirm to them, hey, guys, I want to make sure you get my name really, really well because it, it's going to matter. And what you say about the name of Jesus, it's going to matter. So he begins to explain it to these guys. And these guys aren't perfect guys. They're average Joes like you and I. They go like we go. They talk like we talk. Some of them talk worse than we talk. You're like, you know, they, they're, I know some of these disciples, they were foul-mouthed disciples. And they saw some stuff, and they were like, holy. And they just said some things that they probably shouldn't say. They were human just like you and I. They weren't any special. They didn't have any superpowers like you think maybe because they were disciples. But Jesus wanted them to get his name. He wanted to make sure that they compre- fully comprehended the name that is Jesus. So in John chapter 14, the Bible says this in, in verse 1. It'll be on the screen for you. The Bible says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. This is weird for the disciples because they're like, you live here, bro. You ain't got no house. If you read the Bible or if you study the name of Jesus, you can hear the name Jesus in any religion class taught in any school across America today, and you'll know that Jesus didn't have a house. He was, he was homeless. He went from place to place to place to place to place. He didn't, even, he didn't have food. He had to borrow meal after meal after meal, and God always provided for him, but he, wasn't, he didn't have a house. They're saying, Jesus, Jesus is saying to his disciples, hey, guys, um, I'm, I, there's a, don't, let, don't be troubled. You trust God, you also trust in me. There's more than enough rooms in my father's house. And they're like, okay, what do you got next? I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. They're like, okay, when everything is ready, I'm going to come and I'm going to get you so that you will always be with me wherever I am. And he says to them in verse 4, and you know the way to where I am going. Jesus says to them, now they know, they get Easter. But they don't really get Easter. Like, they get the concept of it. They get the idea of it. We're here today. We're celebrating the aftermath of the cross. At this point in this story, they've never even heard. They've heard about a cross, but they don't really fully get the cross. They don't. They told them, hey, guys, I'm going to walk this earth. They never saw Jesus do anything wrong. They never saw Jesus do anything he shouldn't do. They never saw him look at something he shouldn't look at. They, they saw him live a perfect life. They watched him everywhere he went. They were eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. Everywhere they went, everywhere he went, they went, they watched him. They were watching him everywhere he went. And he says to them, guys, I'm going home. They're like, you don't have a home. So their minds are complex. So they watch him live these perfect lives. He told them, hey, guys, one day I'm going to die on a cross for your sins and my sins. I'm going to be betrayed. He begins to tell them in later, cha- later cha- uh, verses and, and chapters of John, hey, my closest friends are going to betray me. One of you guys in here is going to sell me out for a little bit of money. And you're going to turn me over to these Roman soldiers. They're going to take me. They're going to take me to a place. They're, going to give me a, they're not going to give me a good trial. They're going to give me an unfair trial. They're going to really shaft me pretty hard. They're going to strip my clothes off me. They're going to beat me with a, with a, with a, with a whip. They're going to take a, a, a piece of wood, they're to, an inch wide. They're going to soak it in water. And they're going to flog me with it. They're going to beat me with it. And then they're going to put me on a cross. They're going to shove a crown ahead on my, on my head, um, a crown of thorns on my head. And they're going, to, they're going to put me on a cross between two different thieves, guys that have done wrong, and I've never done wrong, they're going to put me between them. He's explained all to them, and the way I'm explaining to you today, maybe it's the first time, or maybe you haven't heard in a long time, and they're looking a lot like you're looking at me right now. What the heck? 
And maybe some of you are looking at me like, hey, slow down, bro. I get excited. Plus, the, I, I, plus I work off a timer. <laughs> I want to get my full time lot in. They're like, what the heck are you talking about? He explained that to them over and over and over again. It's getting to the last days of his life. They're getting to the last days of his life. And he's explained to me, he says, all right, guys, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave now. And I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And he says, you guys know where I'm going. And they thought the same thing you would say. They begin to say it. Verses, um, verse 5 says this. No, we don't know where you're going. No, sir, not me. Thomas said, that's what Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? How in the world, if we don't know where you're going, how in the world are we supposed to get there? In, verse, in the very next verse, Jesus says this is a very familiar verse. Maybe if you've been in church for a while, if you haven't, this is a very familiar verse in the Bible and in the church world today. Verse 6 says, Jesus said to them, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. And then he says in verse 7, if you really know me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do not know I mean, you do know him, and you have seen. I'd like to jump back up to verse 6 today, and I'd like to give you a couple, three things I want to share with you today. The Bible says Jesus told his disciples, they're asking questions. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Now, I would like to suggest to you today that Jesus wants you and I to know those same exact things, that he would like you to know that he is the, the way, he is the truth, and he is life. And I would like to, for the next few moments I have, let him just support those three facts. There is no other name like Jesus, number one, because he is the truth. He is the truth. There's a book out um, by a guy named Lee Strobel, A Case for Christ, and eventually they went out and they, um, they went out and um, did, did, recently did a, a movie or, or a documentary on, on this guy called The Case for Christ, and he began to study all the things about Jesus because he was a lot like a lot of the world where maybe you're a little bit skeptical because here's the deal. You and I, we, we don't have an eyewitness account. We're reading an eyewitness account, but we can't, we don't have, we can't tell Jesus, hey, run that story back one more time in real time so we can see exactly what happened so we can believe. We don't get to do that. We have to read a eyewitness account. The, the gospel here, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, reading out the book of John today, this is John's account. This, John saw this and John wrote this down. And so this guy, Lee Strobel, began to go through and study this verse and begin to study different accounts and all the stories. And what he, became, what he came up with is that when he began to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all began to talk about this thing called the way. And this way that they talked about was this Jesus guy. He was the way. They, they knew that he was the way. And so I began to look at this idea of what it means to follow the way. And I have a hard time with the way. How many of you guys use your phone for direction? You use GPS. That's okay to raise your hand. And I know none of you guys raise your hand because you know you've been there once. You know how to get there. You don't need directions, you know. And, and you should. And that's probably a good thing. But we use this thing, this directions, to show us how to get to the right way. We need to get to the right place. When we open up that phone, and I just, for me, I get on my phone, I hit the hold, the, hit the hold button, I say, open maps. And mine says, yes, poppy. Okay, <laughs> it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. I didn't, it didn't say that. But uh, my friend isn't here today. Her name is Jessica. And uh, she did program my phone for whenever, Siri's talked, whenever Siri talks to me, Siri calls me a thug. I know you're looking at me. You're like, man, Wes, you're not a thug. 
And um, you look nothing like a thug. And um, you even, we've seen you try before. You're not even good at it. But in my phone, and my phone calls me thug. But it says, okay, thug. And I begin to type in the address of the place that I want to go because I know that Siri, she's never let me down before. She'll help me get to the right place. I'll know with Siri. I'm going to find, I'm going to find the way. And the more that we study the Bible, the more that we study this truth, when you read this book from Genesis all the way to Revelations, you begin to see that this book actually tells you the way. And I begin to look a little bit thorough, and these Jesus saying, hey guys, I'm going to come get you, but then I'm going to take you guys back to the place. Now, there's no need to give the disciples directions, because he's telling them, I'm going to come back and get you, I'm going to take you to heaven with me. Which made me think, how in the world, if you had to tell someone today, or how would Siri tell me how to get to heaven? Because it's a place that we all want to go to. From what we've heard about, it's, it's incredible. It's amazing. It's, there's a, there's, it's a place like none other. The, all the wonders of the world pale in comparison to this place called heaven. And I realized how in the world can Siri how to tell me get to heaven because she's never been there before. She's just a voice. And she's just a phone. But as I begin to study the scriptures, I begin to read further and further and further. I realize that Jesus can tell me how to get to heaven because you want to know why? He's been there before. The only person that can tell you how to get to heaven is Jesus because he's been there before. That's a pretty good, va like you're going to trust Jesus because he's been there before. If you want to come to my house today, my friends are here today from West Palm. That's how far they came to church. That's like, they're going to get front row seats in heaven. You know what I'm saying? But they came today and, and I love them and, 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 their, and their grandpa's with them today. And he's one of our, helped us get this church started and invested in me for a lot of the years of my ministry and has invested in me financially and, and poured a lot into making this, really this service happen today. And I see a lot of my friends are here today, but one of the things, they traveled a far way to get here. And I know heaven is a far way away. And I can tell you today, they said to me, well, where do you live? I said, I live right up the street. I can tell you exactly how to get to my house because I go there every single day. I live there. I can tell you how to get to my room. I can tell you how to get to my kitchen. Those are my two of my favorite places. I can tell you how to get to my TV because that's, that's the third option except for that we canceled cable. So it's a little bit iffy. But nonetheless, I know where the kitchen is. I know where my bedroom is. I know which pillow is mine because I have a special orthopedic pillow. Because I'm a diva. <laughs> no, it's because I sleep on my side and my brother-in-law is a chiropractor and he made me use it. And so... I don't get no more headaches, you know what I'm saying? So I'll use that little diva pillow. But I know the way to my house. And the only way for us to get to heaven is to listen to the person who knows the way. And, and that person is Jesus. He is the way. He is the way. Here's the second thing that we write down where the Jesus tells him. He goes, I am the truth. I am the truth. Here's a kicker. That, here's one of the things that, that's blown my mind is that, that we have this Bible. And it's, it's withstood the test of time. C.S. Lewis is a, is, a, is, a, um, is a follower of Jesus, and, but he wasn't always a follower of Jesus. And when you woke up today, uh, when, you, when you wake up, your, your default mode is not follower of Jesus. You have to learn about Jesus. Jesus has to illuminate your mind and your heart, and then one day you become a follower of Jesus. And Jesus does that in us. And we watch people, and Jesus is on display in people's lives. Maybe you're close with someone, they're a Jesus follower, and, and they explain to you, and they explain to you, and they explain to you this Jesus guy being explained it. Well, C.S. Lewis started digging in further and further and further because he wasn't a believer. But one of the things that he did was, I love what C.S. Lewis did, he, he was a writer. And he's a really, really good writer. He's, a, he's an amazing writer. But what I love that he did is that he took the Bible and he laid the Bible out. And he laid it all, ac all across his table. And obviously you can't get it all on the table. He began to lay out different parts of the Bible. And then what he went and he's when he looked at history and took the history books and lined out history. And he began to compare back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he tried for so long to dispute, to dispute the fact that Jesus actually died 
lived a perfect life, died, and rose again three days later. He tried really hard, but the more he studied it, the more that he would go a different way. And he studied Matthew, he studied Mark, and he studied Luke, and he studied John. He read four different accounts of life of Jesus, and he found out there was no inconsistencies. And he said there was so much detail there that actually that there was enough detail in the Bible that it actually correlated with, with the history time. And as he went back and forth, he was like, oh, my goodness, this is right. Oh, my goodness, this is the truth. Oh, my goodness, this is the truth. Oh, my goodness, this is the truth. And he spent his whole life trying to dispute the fact that Jesus is the truth. And what he found out was Jesus actually was the truth. And one of the things that we go off of in Scripture to make sure that this is truth is that we go back to the Old Testament in the, the first part of the Bible and we compare it to the New Testament. And there were hundreds of times in the Old Testament where God would illuminate men's minds and he would say to them, there's going to be a Savior down the road. That's modern day translation for you. There's going to be a Savior down the road. He's going to be, uh, he, here's his genealogy. It's, he's going to come from the house of this house. And he began to explain, he said, man, there, there, he's going to actually, the Savior of the world, this guy, Jesus, he's actually going to come riding in on a donkey, and it's scary. You can go home today, and if you're, some of you guys are like, I'm going to search this out for myself, and, and, and some of you guys are like, I want to dig in there, you can go to the scriptures, you can type in prophetic or, or prophecies of Jesus, and you can find a list of prophecies in the Old Testament, and when you open up the Bible and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that they're fulfilled. These last, this last week, this holy week of Jesus' life, it's all, it's all written out in scriptures, but men spoke it a long time ago. Well, I was digging through scripture, going through scripture, and reading stuff, and looking back and forth, and reading all these prophecies, hundreds of prophecies said there would, there would be a Messiah. There would be a Jesus. Well, I stumbled on one in, in the book of Psalms, and, and, and here's what this, this Psalms, the Psalms, this, the, the book of Psalms was written a thousand years prior to the crucifixion of Jesus. All right, you follow me? A thousand years, that's a long time prior to. And you know what Psalms tells us? Psalms tells us that the Savior of the world, this guy Jesus, this, this Jesus guy that's going to be the part of the way and the truth, he's actually going to die on a place on a thing called the cross. They're actually going to use crucifixion. And that wasn't that big of a deal because we saw that happen. But did you know this, that whenever that word was given to the writers of Psalms, that they weren't even using a cross and using crucifixion yet? It wasn't even being used as a, as a term of, as a, um, as a way of, of, of putting someone to death. The cross wasn't even used yet. Thousands of years prior to Jesus living and dying and raised again, they said it would be of a cross. That word was given. There's so much stuff in the Old Testament that points us back to the New Testament that lifts up the New Testament as this is the truth, that Jesus is the way. He is the truth. And then last thing I want to I suggest to you today, the Bible says that he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the life. The Bible records that Jesus got up. There was an event yesterday um, downtown Orlando called He Got Up. And Jesus got up out of that grave. And you're like, Wes, how can you, how can you prove that? I can't, I can't show you that because I wasn't there. But I can, I can read the eyewitness account. Did you know that in a court of law today, when someone is tried of something that they've done wrong or not done wrong, when they have a trial, the, the greatest... One of the greatest, um, one of the things that they use in the court of law, obviously, if it's a different things, but they use an eyewitness account. And they, you know, you, you know what they do to check out the eyewitness account. 
they, they give them a, a detector and they, they, where were you at this time? Where were you at this day? Do you have any witnesses that say that you were there? And they begin to get all these things that support the fact that you were where you said you were. And then after that, they take you and they put you on a, on a polygraph test and they begin to check and make sure your pulse and all that stuff doesn't change when you're given the answers. They validate and they validate and they validate and they validate. Well, when Jesus rose from the grave, when he got up, his clothes were still left in that tomb. Not only were those tombs left in those tombs, and they got out, the Bible records later that someone came and they were like, hey, where is Jesus? It was his disciples, the ones that were close to him, like, hey, where in the world is this guy Jesus at? And the guy walks up and says, why are you crying? That guy was Jesus. And Mary thought that Jesus was the gardener. She did not know it was him because her eyes were... It didn't look like Jesus. It was, I don't remember exactly, I can't explain to you exactly what it looked like that day, but the Bible records that, hey, it was Jesus. And she didn't know it was him. Maybe through the tears, maybe, maybe she was so devastated. She'd been devastated for Friday, she saw Friday happen, then Saturday she was hopeless, and now Sunday morning she finds out, and we see that Jesus raised again, we see different accounts of him walking this earth, talking this earth. He lived again. He lived again, he walked this earth, he walked this earth, and people saw him, saw him, saw him, saw him, all disciples saw him, and so on and so forth, because he is the life. Did you know that when other religions, and a lot of world religions, they point to a grave? They point to a grave, they said, oh my God, he's in there. We point to an empty tomb. We point to an empty tomb. I'm so thankful today that it, the cross is really isn't a big deal unless Jesus got up again. And so not only did he die and he rose, but he, he got up. And that's why the crucifixion, that's why Easter is a big deal. That's why, that's why we celebrate today, because he got up again. Like if he died on the cross for our sins, big whoop, because a lot of people that die on the cross, die on the crosses all, all day long. But we go throughout history and we, see, we look at the truth and we see, I mean, this guy was a perfect guy. He didn't mess up. Eyewitness accountants said this and all the prophecies that fulfilled, all the prophecies that happened all throughout the time, over and over again, we, all throughout time, if the name of Jesus wasn't, um, true, it wouldn't still be around today. That's kind of like a common sense one. But the prophecies over and over again lift up the fact that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. He is the life. I recently heard the story um, of Helen Keller in a way that I've never, ever, ever heard it before. But she didn't, she contracted the disease that she had when she was 19 months old and it left her blind and deaf. And I didn't know that, I thought she was born that way. I, I really had no clue, I just, I didn't know. But when we get on to read the story, that, it, that she, she began to learn to, to communicate and be able to understand and, and to be able to be able to learn. She became a great learner. Be, be minor, be, besides her setbacks that she had, she began to, to learn. And I love her story because no matter where you've been, no matter your setbacks, you still have the capability to learn. If you're here today, you may be saying, Wes, I, 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 I checked, I, I cashed out on God and I, I rejected God years ago. It's not too late. Or you're like, Wes, I've, I've, I've heard this message before and uh, it's never done anything before, but maybe today is your day where you accept the message of Easter. And so we see her story begins to unfold. When she was 10 years old, she began to develop these skills where she could, where she could learn. And we know that she's the first deaf, deaf and blind person ever to graduate college, first person to graduate college. She's won many awards. Her parents started worrying about her, what she believed about this name, Jesus. Her parents worried about her. 
And so they went out and they got a, a theologian to come and teach her the truth. And they had to get a theologian because they thought, man, she's going to have questions and we got to make sure we answer these questions. And this, this guy was, was this guy, right? This guy, um, this guy's name is Philip Brooks. He, he's, a, he's also a, a songwriter and he's an educator and he was a very, 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 very smart, smart Bible teacher, way smarter than I am, which it's not hard to be that. But he was a genius. And he began to explain to her Jesus. He began to walk through this story the way that we explain the story to you today, that there was a Jesus. He came, he lived this life. He lived a perfect life. He lived a sinless life. He never said anything he shouldn't have did, never done anything he shouldn't have. He lived a perfect, perfect life. And then that perfect life got up on a cross. And the reason why he had to get up on the cross was because there was a people, a people group called the earth, the whole entire world. They would wake up, and when they woke up, they would sin every single day of their life. They would do wrongdoing, wrongdoing, after wrongdoing, after wrongdoing. And because of that, there'd be a penalty for our sin. You, you, you know that. That's not a secret for you today in here. Today, if you do something wrong, there's a penalty. If you cheat on a test in school, which I've never done this week because I'm not in school, but I've done that before. You're just, if you get caught, there's a penalty for that. There's a punishment. If you get pulled over, which I've been pulled over before, it's, it's good when, you're, when your um, uncle is an, under, is an undersheriff at, or is a sheriff for the, uh, the uh, police department, that helps. When your brother-in-law works for SWAT, those are great things that help. When the guy in the third row and he goes to your church and he's a cop, it helps. All those, all those things help. I drop more cop names when I get pulled over than you can imagine. <clears throat> I'm like, do you know this person? Do you know this person? Do you know this person? You don't? What do you know this person? Do you know this person? Do you know this person? This person? There's a penalty though. I haven't always been as lucky. I haven't always been as lucky. Eventually, they, those, they catch up to you. They catch up to you. No one knows your name in Springfield, Missouri. But I wish they did because that was an expensive ticket. Both of them. <clears throat> if you're new today, I have ADD. What that, that story had nothing to do with my notes. I just It popped in my head. I went with it. So there's a penalty. There's a penalty. There's a penalty. And you just, you get, you, Jesus knew that there'd be a penalty. And he knew that penalty was death. And Jesus took that penalty for you and I. And so he got on the cross, he got on the cross for your sins and my sins. And he could have got off the cross. But because he loved you so much, he stayed on it. Jesus, is, Jesus himself says, God, Dad, is this what you want for me? Is this what you want for me? So she begins to, to understand this story. And I read something that was so, so powerful. She said this, Helen Keller said this, after all those teachings, after living her life, deaf and blind, after all the awards, and after understanding this gospel presentation that I'm explaining to you today, she said this, I already knew about God before you told me him, told me about him. She says, I just didn't know what his name was. I just didn't know what his name was. And today we want you to know that there is no other name like the name of Jesus. There's no other name that was nailed to a cross and got off it and lived to tell about it. There's no one that's ever had to get on a cross, die for the sins of the world, and was able to live to tell about it. And he did it all because he loved you. You don't know what love is. You don't know what love is on earth when you compare it to the love that God has given to us. Well, I, I'm, I've been married and 
I've married for 12 years. I've got a nine-year-old daughter. She's, she knows the name of Jesus. She's going to be leading worship for our church in, in two Sundays. She's going to light it up. I'm excited about that. i got a six-year-old son who I see now has escaped kids' church, and he's sitting on the sound guy's lap, which is my brother. It would be weird if it wasn't my brother. It's my brother. And I have two-year-old twins, two-and-a-half-year-old twins. So those two, if you, if you don't mind, if you pray or if you don't pray, would, because I have twins, you should be praying for me. Add me to your prayer list. It's like having two chihuahuas, by the way. If you've ever seen two chihuahuas, they're just like, bah, 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 bah. they jump on you. They lick you like chihuahuas. They are like chihuahuas. They mess, when they're done with their food, they just take it off their plate like a dog does and flip the bowl over. My kids, when they're done, whether they're mid-eating, whenever they're done, whether there's food on the plate, they just throw it off the tray. They don't even care. Like someone's going to pick this up. Every time I throw it off, it gets picked up. That's my family. I want you to know this today. I love my family. I love them. I would do anything for my kids. Anything for them. I told my wife, for every, every daughter we had, I get to buy a new handgun. So I got two daughters, two handguns. It worked out pretty good. And um, we might adopt just so I can get another gun. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's wrong. I'm not going to do that. I, I got to figure out how to raise the four I got. I love those kids. <laughs> love them dearly. Love them, love them, love them. Do anything for them. I do anything for my wife. But that love pales in comparison to the love that God has for you and for me. It's just, it doesn't even come close to the love that God has for us. One last thing and I'll be done. I got to go see the movie Beauty and the Beast with my, with my kids, my two older kids. We conned somebody into watching our two younger ones. And um, I love that movie. You, you've seen, if you've seen it, how many of you guys have seen Beauty and the Beast? You, you've, you've seen it, yeah. It's, it's, a good, it's a good movie. Some of you guys are like, yeah, I saw the original. Why would I go see the new one for $25, you know, for two tickets? It's different. It's better, they said, apparently. <laughs> but I was watching that. I was watching it. It's cool seeing it in cartoon, but it's also cool seeing it in real life. Char- characters. Characters. And one of the things that I was, the things that I was gotten, and you know, this is like hashtag pastor problems, but when I watch movies, I'm always like trying to find something cool to say <laughs> from the movie. Well, I was watching the movie and Papa is arrested and, um, and he's thrown in jail and his daughter, Belle, comes to get him. And she says, I, I, and the beast is there and, and, and Belle is there and her dad is locked into this, to this dungeon to this behind bars and and she says to him I, I can I talk to my dad for just a second just can you just give me a moment to talk to my dad I need to talk to him please let me talk to my dad she says can you let him out could you let him out so I can talk to him I just want to give him a hug one more time and and he says no he's in there forever and she says in there Bell says to him forever can spare a minute forever can spare a minute and when I read that I thought that 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 sounds good in a movie, but it doesn't work for eternity. Because in eternity, when you die one day, which we all die, there's an eternity there. And you spend a place, you spend life, one of two options. You spend a life in eternity with this name Jesus that we're talking about, this person Jesus. You spend a life with Jesus, or you spend an eternity in a place, the Bible calls it, the hell, it's, 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 a, it's a place of forever torment that's, those are the two options 
And I get so sidetracked sometimes that we think, oh my goodness, that, those, that, that's, that sounds terrible. And it does sound terrible. But the good news is that Jesus came and he died and he took our place. Bell talks, her, Bell talks the beast into coming and getting the dad to come out. And when the dad came out, you see him turn the camera real quick. And as the turn, camera turns back, you hear the door shut. She's pushed her dad away. She's got in the, in, in, the, um, in the prison cell and she slams the door shut. And B says to her, you took his place. You just took his place. And I want you to know today that Jesus has taken your place and my place on that cross. He did that for you and for me. All for love. All because he loved you. That's why he did that. Did he have to? Nope. Stack could have said, let's figure it out. We could have still been on the Old Testament system where we were taken, the, you, if, you were, if you've studied anything of the Old Testament, maybe, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, if you grew up in any kind of school like that, but there was, a, there was a system in the Old Testament where there was a priest. I'd have to go, if I wanted, to, if I wanted my sins confessed or I wanted my sins, I'd have to go to a priest and tell the priest that. Well, the priest, before he could take care of my sins, the priest would take a perfect lamb a firstborn, a male, and a perfect lamb. <clears throat> and he would go into this, into this place called the temple and he would sacrifice that lamb in there. And when, they, when he would do that, they would tie a rope onto his leg with a bell on it. Because in case he still had sin in his life and he didn't confess all of his sins, he would die in there. And what they would do is, if he, if he, if he didn't have his heart right, he didn't confess it, they would drag his dead body out of the temple they have to go find another priest because that one was gone. He didn't raise, that one wasn't raised from the dead again. Once he would do that, if he made it out and cleared, he confessed his sin, he did that. Then he would come out again and he would go in and he would do, he would take another lamb in there and he would go and do another sacrifice for the sins of the people. That's how it worked. Well, after the cross, the Old Testament system was done away with because there's a new lamb that was spotless and that was perfect. And his name is Jesus. And his name is Jesus. And there is no other name like the name Jesus. And that name took your place and my place on those crosses to my left and your right. Took your place and my place so that we could have life eternally. And not only do we get life eternally, we get peace on earth. We get patience on earth. We get compassion on earth. We get his goodness on earth. We don't receive all the benefits of heaven when we get to heaven. We begin to receive them while we're here on this earth. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes.